is I want to talk to you about like what we were talking about this week in lab was uh, was cranial work, right? And uh, whether you had Dr. Uh, Kramer uh, for lab or myself, uh, we were t essentially talking about the same thing. And the cranium is absolutely critical uh, in, in children, right? And if you don't know how important the cranium is in children, uh, then you don't really realize that these three things here, the eat, poop, and sleep, which is essentially what babies do, you're not really thinking about how important those, that eat, poop, and sleep is to our kids, right? And, and here, but what I want you to think about right now is not just the eating, pooping, and sleeping, but the problems that the kids are having eating, pooping, and sleeping. And I want you to think about that, and I want you to think about why are they having problems eating, pooping, and sleeping. And I'm going to put up a hypothesis here, and my hypothesis is that the human species, I mentioned this in lab uh, this afternoon, human species, in my opinion, is no longer evolving. We are now de-evolving. Because a human being, when born, is supposed to eat, poop, and sleep, right? As probably any mammal, you know, born, should be able to eat, poop, and sleep. Because if you could not eat, poop, and sleep, could you survive, right? Now, now you could, right? Now you could. They could hook you up to all kinds of machines. They could keep you going for a long time without eating, poop, and sleeping. They'll hook you up to this and hook you up to that and give you drugs for this, drugs to make you sleep and drugs to make you awake. And, and tubes to feed you and tubes to evacuate you. They can do all kinds of stuff, right? But, but that's modern era stuff, right? But why is it that so many, like the, the number one reason why I see a child today under age six is colic and reflux. The number two reason why I see, uh, see a child under age six months, I should say. The number two reason why I see a child under age six months is because of latching and nursing problems. Why is that? We should not be having, as a human species, problems eating. Eating is essential to life. What the hell is wrong with us? Right? Why is constipation rampant in our society? Not just in adults, but in kids too. Why is it rampant in our society? Why are more people, more kids, I have little kids who've been prescribed to have Metamucil or Muralax every single day, two, three, four times a day because they can't poop, who have been given suppositories all the time because they can't poop. What is, is, is pooping unnatural? Is it some weird thing that only certain people should do? Right? No. Everybody should be pooping. Everybody should be eating. And sleeping. Is sleeping something weird or unusual? No. Every species on the planet sleeps. Why are we having kids who can't sleep? Why are we having... Books written about how to get our kids to sleep. Is there really something that we can't figure out with sleeping? Sleeping should be pretty natural. When you're tired, you should close your eyes. Right? So, and I look at that, and then I look at fertility. We're supposed to get pregnant. Our females of our species are designed to get pregnant. Do you know that 10 to 20% of women in this country are infertile or having problems with fertility? What is wrong with that picture? If you look at giving birth, giving birth, you're supposed to be able to give birth. The human female body is designed to give birth. Why is it 30% of people in this country, women in this country, can't give birth, and another 30% of women have babies but have all kinds of horrible issues and prolonged labors and forceps and vacuum extraction? What the hell is going on? Why is it that autism, when I was a kid, was 1 in 10,000 and now it's 1 in 68? You're telling me our brains changed the last 40 years? 
right? No, if you look at our at the brains, genetic speaking, genetically speaking, our brains are the same brains for millennia, right? Why is ADHD? Ten percent of kids now have ADHD. How? Where did that come from, right? What What is going on? Why are every other week? Why is there some crazy nut job shooting people? Have you ever thought about this? I'm telling you what I think the problem is, is de-evolution. I feel that the human species currently right now is de-evolving, but I'm going to give you a little like positivity to all this negativity I just threw at you. Right? I think we have to de-evolve in order to re-evolve. We have to de-evolve in order to re-evolve. In order to get to the next place, wherever it is the next place that the human species is going, I think we have to kind of take a step back. For whatever reason, I don't get that. But I think we have to take a step back. And I think the reason is, the reason is it relates to the polyvagal theory. So I've been talking about that. You probably have seen some of the things that I've mentioned about the polyvagal theory. If you've taken some of my uh, ICPA classes, I talk about that. If you get Pathways magazine, right here, latest Pathways magazine, autism, polyvagal theory, and neuroplasticity, right? So this is a four-page <coughs> article that they asked me to write about this because uh, I wrote an article last year for the Journal of uh, Maternal Family and Pediatric Health about the polyvagal theory and the results we've seen in my practice. So then ICPA asked me to write this article, you know, about this for the lay folk. So the polyvagal theory, uh, as we know it, talks about how the body is, we used to think that the autonomic nerve system used to be these two pieces. It used to be a balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic. But what Dr. Stephen Porges, who is the author of the polyvagal theory, uh, uh, psychologist, and his research found that the, the vagus nerve actually has a lot more connections than just rest and digest. It actually is what he calls the social engagement nerve. And he calls the social engagement that it's involved in, he calls it neuroception. Neuroception, which is in, in order for you to figure out whether you will properly socially engage with another person of that species, you must determine if it is safe or not. You must determine the safety of that. Like right now, I feel pretty safe in this room. I know most of you to some degree or another, so I don't feel threatened in any way, shape, or form. Right? So I'm in social engagement with you guys. I can look in your eyes. You can look in my eyes. We can have a, a, a good you know, social engagement that way. Right? But if I felt threat, if I drop down into threat, one of two things is going to happen. Either I go into fight or flight and I run, or I freeze, right, based upon your makeup and what's happening in that particular moment, right? That's what the polyvagal theory says, is it is not, it's not a balance, it is a hierarchy. And you start off with social engagement, that's like the ideal situation that the, that the body wants, and if that doesn't happen, then you drop into either fight or flight or freeze based upon the situation and the makeup of that particular person. So what Dr. Porges talks about so I did, took a webinar with him. What Dr. Porsche talks about is connectedness. The whole point of the human experience is connectedness. That's the whole point of the human experience is connectedness. And the way you can see the connectedness is in the eyes. Right? And Porsche has found through his 
uh, dissection of the vagus nerve with him and his team of researchers that is the eyes are really the window into the connectedness. Because if you look at someone, and I look at Zoe, for instance, and I say, hi, Zoe. As soon as I say, hi, Zoe, her eyes widen, she smiles, her heart rate changes, everything changes, because she hears me and she knows who I am, because we've known each other for a while. So there's a social connection, right? So that's social engagement, right? But it starts with the eyes. Right, so as soon as I say hi to her, the first thing that happens is the eyes widen, they open up like this. It's the obicularis oculi, right? It's all about Dr. Porsche's research. The obicularis oculi is the thing that really tells, it's like the window into the eyes. But if you look at people who are so involved in their iPads and in their phones and in their social media, and if you watch someone on social media and you watch someone, even if they're having fun with social media, the obicularis oculite doesn't get engaged because you're not talking to someone, you're talking to something, right? You remove the social connection, and what Dr. Porsche calls that is lost opportunity, right? And there's a thing now that's out there that a lot of people are doing, and it's, it's, this, the, the, it's a lack of co-regulation, as Dr. Porges were talking about. Co-regulation is when people are together in one place doing one thing. So you guys are all together in this room doing one thing which theoretically should be listening to me, right? You know, I'm the faculty, you're the students, so theoretically you should be listening to me, right? That, that's at least the, my, my hope and thought, right? So, so that's what's supposed to be happening right now, right? So the people whose eyes are on me and not on your computer, I can look at you in the eyes and I can see your obicularis oculi and I can tell that there is engagement. But if your eyes are down on your computer or down on your phones, you lose it. And here's the problem. The more you spend time on those stupid devices, the more you lose it until you become so detached, it no longer matters. What happened to this crazy guy in Vegas is it no longer mattered. Life no longer mattered to him. His life and anybody else's. He was so stuck in the crap that he fed his brain, whether it was from drugs or from the computer or the, the TV or the phone, that he decided it didn't matter anymore. And that's where the polyvagal theory comes in because chiropractors have the ability among anybody else to reach the vagus nerve in an amazing way. And one of the ways we do it is through the cranium. So do you understand the power that you have? Right? Stop belittling yourself. I'm just a chiropractor. Here people say, I'm just a chiropractor. What, are you kidding me? You have the secret to the universe in your hands, and when you adjust someone, and you're saying, I'm just a chiropractor. If you're just a chiropractor, then just get out of my profession. Right? Because if you're just a chiropractor, then you're just a back doctor. You're just a bone doctor. But as Dr. Rickman talks about all the time, we are nerve system doctors, right? There's a lot more power to what we do. And the power comes amongst many other things. To me, it's the polyvagal theory. It's understanding that polyvagal theory has everything to do with chiropractic. That's why the upper cervical area is so important. And you don't have to access it only through an upper cervical adjustment, which is a great adjustment. There's so many other ways to access it. We're gonna, I'm going to teach you dozens of ways this quarter, in this particular class, to reach that vagus nerve. The cranium is one of them, right? But there's so many different ways to adjust that particular area, whether you're with the vagus nerve, whether you're directly getting it because you're on the cranium or you're indirectly getting it because you're, you're on upper cervical area. 
but I want you to understand that we, what we do, the reason that I see autistic kids and I see them change under my care is because I'm making sure that they are able to co-regulate better, that their vagus nerve turns back on. So they look me in the eyes. Yesterday, I was adjusting this one girl. She is completely mute. No talking. And when I first met her, she had no eye contact, zero eye contact, except with her mother and her sisters. Yesterday, I am adjusting her. And like we talked about in class, sometimes you cannot adjust these people face down. They will not go face down. So she's sitting in front of me next, so here's her mom, and she's sitting next to me, and I, put it, I bring my stool over and sit right in front of her like this. I said, hey, how are you doing? And she looked at me and she smiled. And her eyes opened up. And I'm like, oh my God. Obicularis oculi, right? It's working. What we're doing is working, right? We're reaching her. And during the, almost the whole adjustment, she's looking at me with her eyes like this on me, and she's smiling, and I'm like, this is why what we're doing works, because the vagus nerve needs to be turned back on. Why is her vagus nerve turned off? I don't know, but it's a common thing in kids with autism, right? Because they don't perceive the environment as safe, like you and I perceive this environment as safe. They don't perceive this environment as safe. They perceive it as a threat to some degree, right? So if it's a threat, now you look at it very differently than if it's a safe environment. And this is why what we do is so important, right? The, because the de-evolution of the species, I feel like the species has to de-evolve and has to start falling apart like it is. And there has to be these fertility problems and there has to be these C-section rates and there has to be this colic and reflux and there has to be this latching nursing problems and there has to be this autism. And what, first of all, it must be, like you say, well, why does it have to be? It has to be because it is. We can't argue with the reality, right? Katie, um, Byron Katie, who uh, talks about the work and that kind of stuff, Byron Katie will say, arguing with reality is foolish because if you argue with reality, you'll lose 100% of the time. Right? Why is the autism rate so high? It shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be yeah. Hmm. It shouldn't be what? I don't know what it should or shouldn't be. It is. It's 1 in 68. That's just the way it is. We can't argue with that because you argue reality, you'll be wrong. Go ahead. Argue away. Right? But maybe it has to be that way. Maybe we have to take this dip to realize that the key to our lives is connectedness. The key to our lives is connectedness. The key to our lives is to get yourselves off the phones. Get off the phones and off your Facebook. You're spending two, three, four, five hours on Facebook every single day and Instagram, all this kind of stuff. You know how you should use this stuff? You should use it for business. You should use it for marketing patience. You shouldn't use it to live vicariously through someone else's life. Right? Because you're disconnecting. Well, losing opportunities, is, as Dr. Porsche says. So the, the social media is a tool. But the term social media is an oxymoron. The same way jumbo shrimp is an oxymoron, right? Social media is the least social thing you can do because it is disconnected, right? There is no connection in social media. What we need to do is encourage reconnection. And how do we reconnect? There's two ways we reconnect. The first way we reconnect is actually talking to the person, looking them in the eye, right? 
That's the first way we, we, we connect, right? The first thing we, we can do is connect them. And the second way we reconnect is adjust them. Because now we can adjust their nerve. We can, uh, their, like, how, how's anybody getting any information from their nerve system, right? It's got to come in through their senses somehow. And Dr. Porsche says there's another sense called neuroception. You can re read about it. Neuroception, he's got a whole article on it. Neuroception. And that neuroception is the polyvagal theory in action, judging the environment. Is it safe? Is it a threat? Is it safe? Is it a threat? Right? So, so we are taking this information through our nerve system, but as a chiropractor, by adjusting their nerve system, now we're able to make sure the nerve system is free from interference, and now they can better perceive the nerve system. Right? So that's the, so I think that we have to de-evolve. I think we have to kind of fall down a little bit to realize that the way we're going is this is not a healthy way. We're not making our system any better by having more social media and Pinterests and Instagrams and Facebook lives and that there's nothing beneficial from all this stuff. Right? We have to realize that that stuff is a tool. We can use it for important announcements and an important business engagement, but we can't use it to replace our life by thinking about someone else's life and spending unbelievable amounts of time in that kind of device. And we, realize, we have to realize that we have to make sure our nerve system is as strong as possible. And who better to be the focus of our nerve system than a chiropractor? Right? Can I, I, don't, I can't think of anybody else who will work with the nurse system the way a chiropractor will. And you can say, well, what about a neurologist? Well, but they're just testing, right? Not that it's wrong or bad, but they're just testing. What about a neurosurgeon? Well, with a last name like surgeon, I don't think that's where I want to go. Not that it's bad or wrong, right? Very important. If you need some neurosurgery, certainly got to get one of those, right? <clears throat> but who's really working with the nerve system? Right? And let me tell you something, guys. It's not most chiropractors. Because most chiropractors are back doctors. And they're super happy about doing their back pain, neck pain, whiplash, headaches. Right? You can have it. You can take it all. I don't want it. You know, I'm moving in, into my practice where I just want to see kids and pregnant women. I'm, that's the place I'm going to. Having my associates and my interns, they can adjust the adults. I'm going to move towards, I just want to see the kids. Because... To me, the kids of the future, right? We are changing, I said this in the lab, we are changing the future. Every time we touch a kid, we are changing the future. It's like we are, it's like we are, are reading a crystal ball and we're able to look in that crystal ball and say, abracadabra, alakazam, we're going to see the future of that kid and we're going to change it because if that kid's vagus nerve is messed up when they're first born and they're having colic and reflux, do you think that vagus nerve might still be messed up when they're six if we don't touch them? <clears throat> and now how are they going to exhibit that? They're not having colic and reflux anymore because they're not a kid, but now how are they going to get it? What, how are they going to manifest it? Think about it. So the vagus nerve is a hierarchy of safety, threat, danger. So you're six years old, well, you're six weeks old, <clears throat> and your vagus nerve isn't working, so you're having colic and reflux. Now you're six years old, where are you at? Where's the nurse system? Hierarchy, safety, danger, threat, danger. Where are you at? Right, now you're in threat or danger. How are you going to act in school if you're in threat or danger? Right? 
ADHD, autism, learning disorders, right? Social anxiety disorders, all these kind of things. Oppositional defiance disorder, obsessive compulsive disorders, bipolar, right? Where do you think all these things are coming from? They're coming from the kids started off with latching problems and nursing problems and colic and reflux and it was never corrected and now they're six years old and they're throwing drugs at these kids because they think that's the answer when the answer should have been they should have been adjusted a long time ago. Right? That's the power I want you to think about. That's the power in what we're doing. Right? So cranial work, yeah, cranial work is, is great, you know, working on the kid and making sure his, he's latching and and rooting really good and making sure he's not colic and reflux and that's great right and whoopee and I'm happy that the, the moms are every day are saying he's nursing better and he doesn't have colic and reflux and that's great that's great but to me the real victory is the stuff that doesn't happen you understand what I'm saying the stuff that doesn't happen because we've been adjusting them right so now I adjust this little one now who's six weeks old and by the time he's ten weeks old there's no more colic and reflux and he's nursing like a champ but then when they're six years old, he gets all straight A's and smiles on his report card because the vagus nerve is working, right? That's the profound impact that we may never see, right? Because they may not come back into practice, they may move away, whatever, you might not see them. But know that if you started them off when they were little ones, and you adjusted them, and they no longer have latching and nursing problems, they no longer have colic and reflux, that you probably changed the course of their life. You changed evolution. Do you see that? Right? Do you see that? So, so we've changed evolution. We've changed their genetic expression. The genetic expression was to create a child that had latching and nursing problems and colic and reflux, and now later on, that has some neurobehavioral issues. And now, by adjusting them six years later, they don't have that anymore. Like, holy cow. B.J. was right. B.J. Palmer was right when he said, you never know how far-reaching, right? Something you may think, say, or do will affect the lives of millions tomorrow, right? Think how powerful that is. And, and the message that we have to deliver is so beyond measure.